I grew up in rural New South Wales on a beef farm and surrounded by, by animals, horses, cows, dogs, wildlife. My dad's uh, big into conservation, so there's always a, a portion of our farm that's for regeneration and it's a protected area. And so we're really lucky that our land abuts that. And so my dad has always been um, very conscious and careful that it's it really is our responsibility to extend that great work that's happening there into our family farm. Hello and welcome to Creature Tales, a podcast from RSPCA Victoria. I'm your host, Alexandra Keefe, and thank you for tuning in. That was vet and entrepreneur Dr. Steph Stuber talking about her upbringing alongside Albury's Wonga Wetlands. In today's episode, Steph takes us through what led her to start her very own recycling business that takes plastic waste and turns it into beautiful pet products. Welcome, Steph. We might start at the beginning and I'll get you to take us through why you wanted to become a vet. I'm definitely a people's person, so I really enjoy uh, connecting with people about their animals and their pets. It's it's such a uh, integral part of my life, and and having grown up with animals, animals always come first in our family. So before we were allowed to eat at night or do or do anything after coming home from school, we had to ensure that we fed all the animals, looked after the animals, given them time, checked them, checked the waters. They're just a core focus in my life. So it's really lovely when you get to connect with people who similarly have animals um, as a core focus. I love seeing animals of all shapes and sizes and the challenge around trying to work out because they can't explain to us their symptoms, trying to decipher what the client says and how the patient's presenting to really work out um, what's going on and how, how we can get them better. Steph, you've said conservation was a huge priority for your family given you grew up so close to Wonga Wetlands. Can you take me through what that was like for you growing up and how that has stayed with you as an adult? I grew up in that environment and loved it. It's Indigenous owned and it's specific for regeneration and supportive native wildlife. So there's always areas dedicated to um, continuing the great work at Wonga Wetlands on our property. And as a result, the, um, the wildlife is just absolutely incredible. And so you do see, because we're on the Murray River, that when the river floods periodically, when the water recedes, there's a lot of plastic and debris left around in the paddocks and in the Wonga wetlands. So we will get out there and and be picking up litter uh, for a very long time because you do see quickly when the water recedes a lot of wildlife, in particular water birds, that end up with plastic or different debris caught around them or they've consumed it. And growing up and seeing that pattern and, you know, we would all go out to try and clean it all up before we actually see much of a change in, in wildlife and impact to wildlife was always at front of mind growing up. Once I'd finished vet school, I became very heavily focused on what we could do in our industry to help improve that. And increasingly, there's a lot of farmers out there who are realizing 
hey, my land's really special. They all love their land. And it's how can we support the ecosystem as well as um, run our, run the business that they are. So the idea for your business, Annie Pal, where did that come from? I guess always having in my mind uh, the understanding of what happens with a lot of debris and plastic. I remember one day I was taking my dog Billy for a walk and I realised that the collar and leash that I was using was actually made of plastic and it feels like it's made of natural fibres, but really 99% of collars and leashes on the market, it's actually plastic spun into yarn. So that's called polyester. And that polyester is woven into collars and leashes. And of course, you know, 90% of clothing we wear. So I remember literally stopping Billy and I had this moment of being like, oh my gosh, what is this collar and leash made from? And then he was so excited to go for a walk. And I was just like, look, sorry, Billy, I have to go and Google this and figure out this process. I just disappeared into a rabbit hole about the whole plastic process and and how it's manufactured and then the the supply chain that follows after that to spin it into yarn and into product and and what really is made from it and then I realized how much in the vet and pet industry is made from virgin plastic brand new plastic which we can easily just swap into recycled plastic and then of course you're not creating new plastic to make these products you're just helping support what's called the circular economy where you use a waste product and give it a second life how does that actually work how do you recycle these products into new products the last yarn spinner that goes from plastic pellets and then it goes from pellets and gets spun into yarn The last manufacturer who did that in Australia shut down about 15, 20 years ago. Once you figure out that and you realize anything made with this product with plastic or recycled plastic yarn is coming from offshore, then you start talking to manufacturers around here and they connect you with... um, with their fellow counterparts overseas, which which is fantastic. It's a long process, but you get there. So now we work with the whole supply chain from recyclers to yarn spinners to manufacturers, both overseas and locally as well. And we're working with um, quite a few recyclers and manufacturers here in Melbourne to try and encourage the government to help put funds towards actually bringing this manufacturing capability home. Is that something that is a real key focus for you? Are you really trying to change the government's current stance? It it is. It's definitely a key focus. We pretty much have all the other steps. The only step we're missing is is a yarn spinner. And if we had that, then pretty much all the textiles and woven products that are made from virgin plastic, we could essentially make it from recycled plastic and our own recycled plastic, which um, would go a long way in in helping our plastic crisis that we are in at the moment, especially since China stopped taking our waste. We are just building up a huge amount stockpile of plastic waste and would be able to um, give that a second life. Steph, can you give a bit of context as to how we got into this position with China? At the moment in Australia, since China stopped taking a huge portion of our waste, we're talking 80% plus because they are trying to manage their own supply chain. So historically, 
China developed as a manufacturing company via importing a lot of countries' plastic waste, and then they have very developed recycling capabilities over there. So they would then recycle that and turn that into new product. Since the price of virgin plastic has come down significantly, it's become a lot cheaper for them to just use virgin plastic. And so they don't actually need all of the wasted plastic that they're importing from other countries. So we're now left with a huge stockpile of our own plastic and no avenues to where to, to send it and what to do with it. That's why um, the government is looking for ways to try and encourage our recycling capabilities and uh, this is this is a very uh, great candidate for them to provide support to. Do you think that this crisis needs more public support? It needs more traction? The crisis being at the point it is, it yeah, it, it warrants a lot more attention and traction because historically it, our waste was just kind of swept under the carpet, literally, and sent offshore. And now we we need to figure out ways to process that. The government really needs to lead in that direction, as well as with with climate initiatives, because we've just got we're on a ticking time bomb, really. So it's just about applying pressure to government, as well as showing them the path. This is what can be done. This is what can be achieved. You can look overseas and see what's happening over there. A lot of the European countries and even Asian countries are so much more advanced in manufacturing and green manufacturing and recycling. So we have a lot of case studies to be able to look at and follow. It's just about um, really giving it the airtime and focus it needs. Do you think the average person even knows that this is a real problem that we're facing? I don't think so i think they did there was a period there when china did originally put the ban in place and it did get quite a bit of airtime but it has definitely gone off the radar and understandably since covid you know we've got a another pressing human health crisis happening at the moment but they actually all go hand in hand it, it's all it really does stem from uh, from climate change and the stress we're putting on the environment and that leads to the ramifications we're really seeing globally. And I don't want to sound too doom and gloom, but what would be a worst case scenario here? Would it be a massive loss of ecosystem? Absolutely. Essentially, it will be more and more stockpiles of, uh, of wasted plastic um, landfill, it would uh, increase significantly. Uh, and then the consequences of that, we're getting plastic leaching. Our ecosystem is under a huge amount of threat already. And this would just be another, another knife in the heart, really. There's a lot that can be done, and that's the message we really need to get out there. There's a desire in the community to know more and to be able to help. We just need to give them the tools to help. And part of that is providing education where you can make it clear this is actually a recycled product and the, the customer is actually the one who helps lead the way. If they choose through education, I actually want to support sustainable initiatives, I will 
pay for a recycled product over a virgin product, then that helps drive that whole industry forward and that helps government to become more aware, hey, there is interest there. If we put money towards there, it's not going to be a lost cause. You've obviously taken this huge step of starting your business to directly address recycling. What's been the reception to your products from consumers? It's been really good. It's taken a long time to get the product to to market. Firstly, I'm a vet and I had no idea what I was doing in this space, but you quickly learn. Um, you quickly learn. You ask people a lot of questions and people are normally, if you're passionate and enthusiastic, people are happy to go out of their way and talk you through processes and help them. So um, the reception has been fantastic. We are now stocked in about 80 80 to 100 different vet clinics, I think, and about um, 180 different pet stocks around Australia. And Steph, that relationship with pet stock directly affects animals and owners in need. Is that correct? Our work with pet stock has been has been really um, critical in that all the funds they make through selling our product actually goes to their pet stock assist campaign, which is their fund to support wildlife, which is really special. So no, we're, we've had great retailer support and um, we're now working with them hand in hand to deliver quite a few more locally made sustainable products to the market. It's busy, but it's really exciting. So if someone uses one of your leashes to the end of its life, it can't be used anymore. What happens then? Can it be recycled into another product? Yes, absolutely. So we're actually working with a local recycler to be able to repelletize that and reprocess that plastic and then it can be turned into another product. Probably go into more 3D. Um, At the moment, we're doing trials on 3D recycled plastic products. So that's what we can do onshore currently here in Australia. So we're working with a few recyclers to um, give that a go. The more companies that look to help support our local supply chain, the more they will grow. And then the more we can we can improve our, our plastic situation. Have pet owners who found your product seen this as a real wake-up call? Did they even know that they were using so much plastic? A lot of pet owners who are just dumbfounded to think that their collar and leash is actually made of plastic. So it looks and feels exactly like any other collar. It is. It's just made from recycled materials. I actually get a lot of mums writing to us saying, thank you so much. And my daughter just stood there feeling your product and then the other products and couldn't understand why all the virgin plastic products are made from recycled. And it just really helps encourage that education piece where clients can really touch and feel and realize there is nothing different. Why on earth aren't we going with recycled the whole time. So the education piece has been has been lovely and the amount of people who write to me and thank thank me for that has been um has been really heartwarming, which is great. Steph, do you feel quite proud to look at what you're doing and see the real change you're affecting? I am. I'm I'm really proud and I'm really proud that with the the customers. They're lovely and they support local Australian businesses. They're helping steer the change and I'm just providing them the tools to be able to do that.
As we discussed earlier, your family is obviously hugely involved in conservation. What's been their reaction to what you're achieving? They love it and they they learn, we learn all so much on these journeys and they've all helped me out day in and day out, uh, executing all sorts of things and learning new things and coming to factories with me and coming to warehouses and coming to just, yeah, it's, yeah, they, they learn a lot too and they enjoy the ride. Oh, that's so nice to hear, Steph. When you talk about the education side of things, what can people do to learn more about this issue? We have essentially two main groups in the vet industry at the moment, Vets for Climate Action, which is Australian, and then Vet Sustain, which is a UK-based company. And that's for anyone in the animal and vet industry. So from vet nurses to vets um, to support staff interested in how the animal profession and community can help advance sustainable changes in our industry and also educate us about how uh, climate change problems is going to affect wildlife, is going to affect companion animals and is going to affect our profession and community as a whole. What I'm seeing increasingly with mums writing to me, we're going to see a generation who are really going to be able to help drive this change because it's clearly a core value that they hold from a very young age. And how can shoppers become more astute and become more aware of how they can help the problem? Shoppers being able to take a moment and look at where their product is coming from, where it's made and what it's made from. Normally with initiatives like Annie Pal, you'll make it somewhat clear on packaging that it's made from recycled materials and normally you'll have a certification behind that. If shoppers can learn to identify what those certifications look like and instead of always going with the the old brand that they used to, actually look and see which of the products are sustainable or recycled and then they can actually make that conscious decision of buying that product. We all do get so busy and we just kind of fall into a habit of getting what we always have but it's giving yourself the flexibility and and the and making active choices to choose how you want the future to look. And finally Steph what is your vision for the future of Anipal? We hope to become one of Australia's leading sustainability brands for the pet and vet industry. We really just hope to lead our industry and provide a whole lot of solutions for vets and pets. And in the process of doing that, really help create and develop those circular solutions and supply chains here in Australia. I had no idea when I was starting out vet school that I would end up heavily involved in local recycling and manufacturing. But, you know, the world can take you in really weird and wonderful ways and you meet the most amazing people. And to go to a factory and give them the product, like here's plastic that's being used in a collar and leash, how about we try and make this and walk with them the whole way and get a product at the end that's recycled. It's a it's a pretty cool thing. And then, you know, you're doing high fives with manufacturers who, who you know, this is out of the blue for them too. And they're like, yeah, why not? Let's give this a shot. And it's, it's fun. It's a lot of trial and error. Uh, but no, we hope to really further develop Australia's capacity to be able to um, provide these kind of things to pet owners. That was Dr. Steph Stuber, vet and entrepreneur. 
You can visit the Annie Pal website at anniepal.com.au. That's Annie Pal, spelt A-N-I-P-A-L. I hope you've learned a little something about the importance of conservation in this episode. And next time you take your dog for a walk, take a moment to feel the leash. And remember, there are other sustainable options out there. That concludes our episode for today. Thanks so much for listening and I'll catch you next time. 